0: Greetings, innovators, and welcome to Back of the Napkin, where we explore big journeys in the world of small business with the personalities who make it happen. I'm Dusty Weiss, a small business owner from the Midwest, and welcome back to another one of these bonus segments that we like to call Friday Fails. We spend a lot of time celebrating the successes of small business owners on Back of the Napkin, and during our Friday Fails, we also celebrate the little failures that haunted them along the way, because you can learn a lot from hearing about a time that somebody else messed up. Of course, there's a lot that we can learn from the world of big business as well. And that got me thinking about a conversation I had recently with the former vice president of communications at one of the world's most recognizable brands, Coca-Cola. In the late 90s, Ben Deutsch had just been promoted to a media relations role with Coke, right before the company was rocked by a whistleblower lawsuit that made national headlines. A former employee named Matt Whitley had publicly accused Coca-Cola of manipulating the results of a product test run, an accusation that turned out to be true. And as they publicly admitted the mistake, Ben Deutsch was about to learn an important lesson about the power of words, the importance of focusing on your core value proposition, and the attitude needed to deal with the high-stakes world of business. During
1: that episode, we got to a point where the company did an analysis of all of the allegations and we came out with a report and we shared it with the media. And then I did interviews, because I was the company spokesperson at the time. So I did back to back to back to back to back to back interviews. And one of the things that we discussed as a team prior to me doing the interviews is when it came to how we were going to handle certain questions. And One of the questions that we were preparing ourselves for was whether or not the Securities and Exchange Commission had launched a formal investigation of us, which they had done. Now, in those days, that was not a public disclosure. So, you know, the SEC had made us aware that they were formally looking at Matt's allegations. We all agreed that if I was asked, by the media whether or not the sec had contacted us or were they investigating us that i would indeed confirm that we were i wouldn't decline to comment but i would confirm that they were
0: at that point essentially it's better to own it admit to it and continue to advance the story than to attempt to divert or even subvert the truth there exactly because it's going to come out eventually correct and we certainly Had decided we weren't going to
1: volunteer it, but. Well, yeah, no. (laughs) Right. But if asked, we felt it was important not to decline comment, but to confirm that we did. I did a series of interviews with all of these key media, and it was everybody that, you know, the top business media in the world at that time. So I'm doing the interviews, and they're all going just fine. And I get to the last interview, and the last interview is with Bloomberg. At that time, they were just a wire service. And I did the interviews, 15 minutes long, and the reporter said, okay, that's great. You know, thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. And I'm about to hang up the phone, and all of a sudden, he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, hold on. One last thing. I know this is a shot in the dark, but have you guys been contacted by the SEC? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, we have. And I can confirm that we've been informed by the SEC that they are doing a formal investigation. And all of a sudden, I just heard this. There was just quiet on the other end of the line. (laughs) And I said, Steve, are you there? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, Could you repeat that again? And I said, yes. Uh, And I repeated it. And he said, okay, good, thanks. Hung up the phone, didn't even almost say goodbye. And next thing you know, like seven minutes later, crossed the wire off of Bloomberg, is the headline, Coca-Cola being investigated by the SEC for Whitley allegations.
0: Oh, you were so close to getting out <laughs> of the day. <laughs> right.
1: And all of a sudden, two things happened. One is our stock dropped $3 within 15 minutes. Oof. So billions of dollars of shareowner value disappeared within 15 minutes my office was in the 22nd floor, of the tower at North Avenue in Atlanta. And then a knock on my door and I turn around my shoulder and it's our chief financial officer. And he said, Ben, what did you just say? And I said, Gary, we, as we all agreed, we would confirm if I was asked whether or not the SEC had opened up an investigation. And that's what I did. And he looked at me And he nodded his head and he said, right. Okay, good. All right, carry on. And he left. It was the only time the CFO had ever stepped foot (laughs) on the 22nd floor, ever. I guarantee you that. But as I share that story with students, it wasn't a mistake, but it shows how powerful and how important clarity in words and how it can impact a business, especially a publicly traded company and what can happen in a situation, how the impact you can have with what you say and what gets reported. And it was a moment that I will never, ever, ever forget.
0: And certainly it was the right thing to do to confirm it instead of trying to dance around it or anything like that. You certainly caught your reporter and, and probably his editor who was sitting right in his ear at that time, I would imagine on the other end of the phone, caught them off guard with it. But to see your words, your actions, right or not, have such an impact on the company and billions of dollars of evaporating shareholder value, that's a tremendous amount of pressure on you as one person. Over the course of your career, how did you learn to deal with that kind of pressure? Part of it is making mistakes, right? And learning
1: from it. And, and one of the stories that I tell is a very kind of a similar story where back in the mid-90s, we were announcing this program that we had created called Coca-Cola Big TV. And without going into a ton of detail, it was us getting into the TV production business and creating content at that time that would appear in the Super Bowl. And most of you wouldn't know this, but at one point, Coca-Cola Company had purchased Columbia Pictures. I want to say it was in the late 80s. And then we sold them. We sold Columbia Pictures after a few years to focus more on our core business, which is beverages. We learned that a company's focus should be on its core. And so that's in part why we sold Columbia Pictures. So I'm talking about this Coca-Cola Big TV, and I'm doing, again, a series of interviews. And I'm keeping incredibly consistent and disciplined to my message. So I'm doing the right thing. I'm not diverting. I'm staying on message. I'm hitting those talking points. And again, this is after seven interviews and I have my last interview. And it also happened to be with Bloomberg. (laughs) And uh, I got lazy for that last interview and started feeling really comfortable. Yeah, lazy or maybe a little bit punchy. You've been doing this all day. Right, right. And, oh, I got this. I can handle this one. And kick my feet back up. And this is the last one. And then we'll call it a day. Well, I ended up veering off script and I commented the comment that I made. And I don't know exactly what what the exact words I chose, but every one of these interviews all asked about, is this mean, you know, given that you had purchased Columbia pictures years ago, does this mean that Coke's going to get back into the movie business? And we had a really straightforward answer for that, which was along the lines of no, it's not. Uh, We're going to stick to our core business. But in this particular one, I happened to share that something to the effect that selling Columbia Pictures was one of the best things that the company had done. Now, that was a true statement. We bought Columbia Pictures for over $600 million. And years later, we ended up selling Columbia for $1.5 billion. So it was a very, smart and strategic transaction for the company and was done obviously to get us back focused on beverages. But when I gave that quote and the story came out and I was quoted as saying something along those lines.
0: Probably front and center, third, fourth graph, <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah, it was the upper mid part of the story. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of a sudden I got a call
1: from two or three levels above me in communications. And I'll never forget, she said, Ben, did you say that? And I said, yeah, Linda, I did say that. And she said, don't ever say that again. And I said, okay. And she said, you do realize that our chairman, Roberto Goizueta, current chairman, and probably one of the most revered business leaders of any generation, that was his baby. And he led the acquisition of it, but also the divestiture. And so my comment did not sit well and did not look well. And needless to say I never said anything like that again. And it clearly it just crushed me. And you know up until that point had this what I thought was a really good day and I was handling the media interviews well and that's how I ended the day. And so about 6:30 that night I went in and met with the person who who was responsible for the business side of what that program was. And so I went in to report to him about the media coverage. And he immediately saw my body language when I walked in. And he said, Ben, what's the matter? I've been seeing all the coverage and it looks terrific. And I said, well, Stu, let me just tell you what happened. And I explained to him what happened. And I'm sitting there and I had my head down and I wasn't making eye contact. I was completely just distraught and felt like you know I had let the entire company down. And all of a sudden, I look up and Stu, who was an executive at the time, I look at him and he was laughing. He was chuckling and he had a smile on his face. And I did a double take and I said, Stu, I said, this isn't funny. And I said, why are you laughing? And he just kind of shook his head and smiled again and said, Ben Deutsch, let me just tell you, it's going to take a lot more than one person to bring down the Coca Cola company. So you made a mistake. Don't do it again, but let's move on. And just getting that advice, it completely, you know, this was three years into my job at Coke. And I think that was one of the most important experiences that I had ever had. It was the most important lesson and an experience that thankfully I had had because it helped put in perspective the work that we do. (laughs) And it gave me a perspective that I carried forward. And to be a long answer to your question, Dusty, it helped me deal with pressure in a way because that was a story that I always reflected on. And it really kind of allowed me to just sort of step back for a second and take a big deep breath and Always just remember, do the best you can and what will happen will happen and you'll make mistakes and things will happen, but you'll just need to learn from them and move on.
0: The life of a big business executive at Coca-Cola might seem worlds away from what we do as small business owners, but the lessons that we can take away from Ben's story are valuable tools that we can learn from. Choosing your words carefully and considering your stakeholders might seem like common sense, but how many times have you blurted out something in the moment that you regretted later? Ben's insights about keeping the focus on a business's core value proposition, rather than getting distracted by every new, exciting opportunity that comes along, is poignant as well as we all wind back up in the wake of the pandemic. And keeping everything in perspective, even after a disastrous mistake, well... Let's just say I don't know anyone who doesn't need that reminder from time to time. Special thanks to Koch's former VP of Communications, Ben Deutsch, for sharing his stories with us. Thanks to all the great guests who joined us in Season 2. Folks, I've got bad news and I've got good news. The bad news is that this is the last episode of Season 2 of Back of the Napkin. But the good news? Season 3 kicks off in just a couple of weeks. We are not missing a beat. We're bringing you even more of the most unique small and micro businesses from across the country, and I'm going to be introducing you to a fascinating new co-host. So be sure to check in with us again soon, and the best way to do that is to pull out your phone, open your favorite podcast app, and subscribe to Back of the Napkin. If you have any ideas for the show, leave them as a comment in your podcast platform of choice, because we do read every single one of those that we get. Back of the Napkin is brought to you by Sure Payroll, where small business is their business. From easy online payroll to 401k support and award-winning customer service, Sure Payroll has been serving the payroll and business needs of small businesses for more than 20 years. Learn more at SurePayroll.com and get two months free as a new customer. Sure Payroll's production partners for Back of the Napkin are PodCamp Media, where we provide branded podcast production services for businesses, Our editor and producer is Larry Kilgore III. So thanks for tuning in to Back of the Napkin. I'm Dusty Weiss.